Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello world, this is TJ Morris, also known as Teresa J. Morris. Welcome aboard all you ground troops spinning around smartly. We need some help tonight from El Paso, Texas, and I'm not sure which one of the El Paso guys are the Texas guys or the southwest areas going to show up tonight. But let me see. The, uh, the theme of tonight's show is Allied Command Organization 2020. We need new heroes. <laughs> Let's see who's showing up to be a hero. Hello, 915. This is TJ Morris in Florida. Who is this? Uh, Bruce Cornett. <laughs> well, looky here, folks. We have a hero. Wow, Bruce, congratulations. I guess you're the man of the plan for Texas tonight. How are you doing? Well, I, I'm doing okay, but I'm not sure where this uh, show is uh, headed. <laughs> Well, it's Allied Command Organization, and we need 2020 heroes to step up and share the new narrative. So who will it be? And uh, Ronnie Ronnie Dawson of Texas had uh, planned on coming, but his wife's got his situation all uh, moved around for Christmas, and he can't get to his stand, and his phone was on 2%. And I can't reach a mad painter right now. I don't know if he's sick or doing another show. And Ken's box was full, but I know that Friday nights is very important, especially on Facebook for social media, to find out what all we're doing and what events we're going to be sharing and stuff like that. So uh, what it is is we've got a a book out there for authors, and also in 30 minutes, uh, Robbie Morgan's going to come on, so you'll get to meet him. He's in a meeting right now, but uh, I don't. uh, Robbie, I think, is out of Denver. But anyway, you can hold your own with Southwest Region Pharma. You're coming on and getting to be an up-and-coming co-producer, co-host. So thank you for coming. You want to tell people a little about your background? You have a book, too. So why don't you tell people who you are, your book, and also what event you're going to be speaking at, if you don't mind. Sure, I can do that. Um, I have uh, 13 years of college, uh, three degrees uh, in science, and uh geology and paleontology, actually paleobotany and palynology at um, University of Connecticut and Penn State University. Um, And I uh, graduated in 1977 uh, with a doctorate and uh, went to work for Gulf Research and Development in Houston. And then I worked for Exxon USA for a couple of years. And then I had my own oil company and uh, we drilled in Virginia and then with the downturn of the oil industry in the early 80s, uh, uh, making ends meet became very difficult, let's put it that way. And I uh, took a, a position at uh, Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory in the Palisades, New York, working with uh, Dr. Paul Olson, um, and became the wellside geologist for his uh, coring project in the Newark Basin. And uh, that lasted until about 1993, 
And at that particular point, I, um, I was, had been introduced uh, to the um, UAP phenomenon in the area around Pine Bush, New York. And uh, what was rather uh, amazing to me is that uh, this activity was happening right in the midst of everybody in, that, in the Wallkill River Valley of New York uh, and, and uh, right next to a military base. And um, it was being reported on um, in, in the uh, Hudson and Wallkill River Valley's uh, book called Night Sneege by Heineck and Imbrogno uh, back in the mid-'80s. Uh, uh, talked about that huge flap, <clears throat> flap of these large uh, ships that were floating over the Hudson River. And then Ellen Crystal did a research project in the early 80s uh, in the area and published a book in 1991, which I read, and then contacted her. And uh, the book's name is uh, Silent Invasion. So uh, as an independent uh, geologist <clears throat> and scientist, <clears throat> I wanted to know more about this phenomenon. Unfortunately, I found out uh, uh, that this type of subject was not um, um, favored in, in the halls of academe. It was taboo. And uh, that created a major problem with me and my, my, the people I worked with at Lamont Doherty. So I um, uh, resigned from that position and uh, um, got married again after my late wife had died and moved to uh, Red Bank, New Jersey, uh, where I continued my research. And recently, I finally published an 11-year study in the Valley <clears throat> with um, hundreds of photos, in fact, thousands of photographs of uh, unidentified aerial phenomena in the valley, uh, many uh, of the uh, objects, the lights, the ships were coming out of the ground and going into the ground. And this is something that most scientists just couldn't accept. Uh, they refused to look into the paranormal. And <clears throat> yet I quickly found out that some of my uh, uh, best friends were uh, belonged and worked for the CIA because they were very interested in, in foreign technology in the area. and. Uh, uh, as a consequence, I got a, uh, a, a full uh, education on, on our uh, alleged visitors. Uh, I finished a book uh, published um, this year, earlier this year, called uh, Unconventional Aerial Phenomena in the Hudson and Walker River Valley of New York. And uh, for those who want to buy it, they can uh, or look at it in, with, on uh, Kindle. You can go to Amazon.com. And um, it's uh, over 400 pages uh, containing uh, hundreds of photographs of uh, what I documented in the field, uh, demonstrating that this phenomena is real and uh, it is uh, living here on an underground basis. Ellen Crystal, in her book, <clears throat> concluded that <clears throat> the phenomena that she was witnessing uh, was uh, disappearing into the ground and coming out of the ground. And I did a 24-square-mile magnetic survey in order to test her theory and uh, discovered that uh, there's a lot of electromagnetic activity, artificial activity underground. So I essentially uh, documented what uh, she had hypothesized in her book. And my book, in effect, uh, proves that we do 
not just have visitors. We have um, non-humans living underground, and uh, they have uh, technology that is way beyond ours. And <clears throat> uh, most of the craft that they <clears throat> fly are angular craft, and they're not circular craft. They're triangles and diamond-shaped craft, and also elongate cigar-shaped craft. So um, uh, that's what got me started. And then I was offered a position uh, as a deputy administrator at National Institute for Discovery Science in Las Vegas. And <clears throat> uh, Dr. Colm Kelleher hired me, hoping that he could save that institute because his boss and the owner, uh, Robert Bigelow, wanted to shut that uh, organization down. But um, alas, he, she, he didn't shut it down. Uh, I mean, he did shut it down, and I lost my job. Uh, I had met <clears throat> uh, a woman uh, on on the phone who lived in El Paso, and when she found uh, heard about my predicament, she said, "Well, come down here to El Paso, and uh, and and you can live with me," which I did, and uh, that's where I've been ever since since nineteen um, since two thousand and four. So, well, that's um, a wonderful story, especially the Robert Bigelow uh, name. Now, did you get to – he's very famous, folks. He's also very wealthy, and he's a contractor now, and he helps us in space. So can you tell us uh, – I'll look up his name while you tell us what you know, but did you ever physically get to be in his presence? Oh, yeah, at least three times. Um, and uh, yeah, for for the job interview – then for uh, an introduction, uh, and then finally for a presentation I gave to him. Um, yes, I, I uh, did meet him, and uh, I worked in, in his uh, uh, NIDS um, building um, on Polaris Avenue in Las Vegas, and uh, I, that was a great job. It, it, it's too bad he wanted to shut it down. And I had, was hoping that I would get to uh, go out to the uh, Skinwalker Ranch that he had bought and was uh, uh, had sent a group of uh, researchers out there to study the paranormal phenomena. Uh, they could never resolve the, the, what was causing it, only know that they were able to document this phenomenon. Uh, and uh, I have been in contact with quite a few other people that have gone out to the ranch and have studied the phenomena, and many of whom have had very close um, encounters with uh, you know, giant wolves and uh, orbs and uh, other types of creatures that, and UFOs and aliens on the ranch in, in uh, central uh, Utah. So um, the phenomena is very real. It's not the only area in Utah that has similar types of phenomena. Um, but this is the one that is the best known and has had a, a, a tremendous amount of scientific research done on it. Unfortunately, um, whatever this phenomenon is, it's interdimensional, and that seems to be pretty uh, true at this particular point. And the creatures that come through portals are um, uh, uh, immune to bullets and bombs. I mean, you can't kill them, uh, but they can kill us. And they can mutilate cattle, uh, so we we really don't have a very good hold on our understanding of what we're dealing with and how to uh, interact with it. We seem to be, uh, you know, 
um, very ignorant of the um, the other dimensions that uh, our world interfaces with. That's a very good point. Now, folks, I'm going to just read this to you. I posted his picture on Pinterest, but uh, uh, this is Dr. Bruce Cornett, and he's uh, worked or was presented, uh, and we'll ask him some more if he can release what he presented to Robert Bigelow, whose net worth is approximately $1 billion in American hotel entrepreneur and space engineer. So uh, he was born in Nevada in 1945. He's a male of the species, and his nationality is United States of America. And uh, now he graduated from the Arizona State with degrees in real estate and banking in the late 60s, and he began building his real estate empire immediately after leaving school. Just three years later, he owned 100 apartments in Las Vegas, and he broke ground on a 40-unit apartment building back then, and he now owns the budget suites of America Hotel Chain, among hundreds of other properties in real estate development. And outside of being a real estate mogul, he's one of the world's foremost space exploration enthusiasts. Now, he's believes, he's wholeheartedly believes in aliens and has spent a considerable chunk of his fortune to advance space exploration and all the causes that he represents. Now, Bigelow Aerospace is one of those. So Bigelow Aerospace has hundreds of millions of dollars developed, and they developed a series of inflatable space habitats, and that prototype was currently orbiting the Earth, and he made agreements to build more of them until uh, we get with multiple countries around the world. And he expects that uh, these inflatable stations can be fully habitable in the near future, and the cost per astronaut uh, to stay on an inflatable station for 30 days is about 28750000 guess that's small change to him. But let me see if uh, – what now, Robert, what were you – this uh, – we need to update all this. Uh, he's an entrepreneur, but uh, – you know, an entrepreneur is some a self-made person that works with companies of their own and is enthused and goes forward. But Robert, Dr. Bruce, what were you doing with Robert Bigelow? I mean, did you when you talked in front of him? I guess well, your presentation. Uh, well, I worked as a deputy administrator under uh, Dr. Colm Kelleher, Kelleher, who was the administrator, and now uh, Kelleher is working uh, at at uh, Bigelow's uh, Bigelow Aerospace. A company. Um, I basically uh, had a desk job. Uh, I wanted to have a field job, but I never got a budget. And my job was to document uh, uh, sightings that people called in uh, through uh, the, our hotline, and those would be entered into the NIDS uh, database on uh, UFO sightings. And uh, I compiled all the reports that uh, came in to me at, uh, when I was there for four months. Wow. That's amazing that you got to meet him and work at that level. That means you're well, – he wouldn't hire anyone that wasn't pretty intelligent, Dr. Bruce. Do you know anything about anybody else you can share with us of whom you worked with? Well, interestingly enough, uh, I mean, when he had put together a team of people, that include, included um, Jacques Vallée and Eric Davis, Hal Putoff, 
uh, th those two are associated with the intelligence community and a number of other people that were uh, you know, former FBI and, and intelligence community uh, operatives. And uh, so he surrounded himself with people who um, had, most of whom had worked uh, in the government. And uh, he was also involved with um, uh, Harry Reid, uh, who was supposedly providing him money uh, to, uh, for research uh, at the Skinwalker Ranch. And um, there, there's a whole list of other uh, scientists that he had hired. Uh, even Linda Moulton Howe was uh, um, on his team for a short period of time. Uh, but this was back in the 90s, and I didn't come on board until 2004. So by then, the, uh, the research part of uh, the Skinwalker Ranch was winding down. Um, um, George Knapp, who's a journalist in, El in Las Vegas, worked with Colm Kelleher, and they wrote a book on Skinwalker. And um, uh, they, they are the, the leading experts on that phenomenon, although there are other people now who have uh, gone onto the property and had major experiences, um, one of whom is uh, Chris Max, who uh, worked for Bigelow in, uh, I would say, about for about four or five years uh, as a guard on the ranch in uh, you know, about five to six years ago. And um, he was on Erica Luke's uh, UFO Classified show three times. And uh, he uh, had some really close encounters with these creatures that came through the, um, the portals. And um, uh, it, it's, it's an amazing phenomenon. I guess you really have to go experience them yourself to fully appreciate that this stuff really exists and, and what it is, what it represents. We're still in, in the infant stage of figuring this out. And we haven't yet developed enough uh, instrumentation and technology to be able to uh, uh, record it and uh, very well or, or, or determine what it is. Um, but it, it, it's out there. Uh, Ryan Skinner, who uh, has traveled there and done research with uh, um, <coughs> Ryan B Burns, and they've been on radio shows uh, talking about their encounters with a skinwalker. Now, the skinwalker by itself is not is a it looks like an, a Native American Indian that can then uh, shapeshift into a wolf, or back and forth. And uh, <coughs> Chris Max said that he actually saw uh, what appeared to be an upright walking uh, human on top of the, the cliffs that overlook the Skinwalker Ranch. And then, strangely enough, this was at night, and he saw it fall off and hit the ground. And then it got up and uh, transformed into a wolf and walked away. And when he went to investigate it, um, he found tracks that looked human-like that transformed into tracks that were wolf-like. So um, there's been enough of these uh, uh, sightings and encounters to know that whatever this thing is, it, it defies uh, physics as we know it. Wow, you are just something the way that you've uh, been able to develop all this in your own personal 
accounting of reality, you know, our uh, perception, filters, pursuits, motivation, and modern, modern, it's hard for me to say, modernization. Why is that hard? Modernization in uh, 2019. <laughs> Maybe it's just hard for me. I don't know. Modernization. <laughs> Well, you've come a long way from uh, being a little kid on the planet, haven't you? Did you want to deal with UFOs and alienology, or did you just – because I consider them separate. Uh, the reason is, folks, UFOs started out being mainly about flying saucers and in the paper, and we clipped newspapers, and we went out through the military. And, of course, you know about – Blue Book. If you don't watch History Channel, they've got some shows. We got Ancient Aliens. They've got uh, people coming on Travel Channel and History Channel. Giorgio Sukalos, he had a magazine with a lot of history on that. Uh, I could go look it up. Do you do you know the name of Giorgio Sukalos magazine, Doctor Cornett? I've heard of the magazine. I've not never looked at it. I've never had a copy. <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> But uh, anyway, hmm. apparently tonight it's going to be building the Allied Command with uh, people that you may or may not have heard of, and we're going to do our best to give you the best accounting we have, either firsthand information as ACI reporters. And uh, a lot of my people that have worked with me uh, have been white hats, uh, and I know that uh, there's many people talking about uh, the men in black, and there's a new men in black on my birthday yesterday. It was December 26, and I found it interesting enough to say on my radio show I did for Revolution Radio yesterday about uh, the fact that 1226 is an important day. I didn't realize how important it was, but it has something to do with all of this Allied Command Organization and the UFO Secret Space Program. Now, I was born on 1226. That's the day Whitley Strieber had his account, as well as Jim Penniston. Now, are you familiar with those names? I'm sure you are, Dr. Cornett. Yes, I'm definitely familiar with both of those names, yes. Um, now, mostly I... with uh, Whitley Strieber. Okay. Well, can you tell us what you know about him? No. I, I know very little about him. I would love He's to have an a author. conversation with him. Yes, oh, I've okay. read his book, uh, but the, aside from reading his his uh, books, I don't know very much about him. Um, okay, uh, I don't I've heard either. About him. Yeah. Yeah, and he has a uh, radio show and uh, online radio show, and uh, he has a a website and a group that he uh, I've I've uh, become a member of his group, so I get his newsletters, but but. Remember, Whitley Strieber has been active all through the 90s and, and early 2000s. Yeah, he got um, started back in the day, didn't he, back with uh, the red-haired lady. Well, I'm the red-haired lady now, but the most famous that was on TV, Shirley MacLaine, that way back there, because yeah. I was in the military in the 80s. So that came from the 80s. Yeah, they he would have been involved with her back then. Right. Yeah, with Shirley yeah. MacLaine. Yeah, and, and that's uh, where I saw him on a movie. I saw her movie out on a limb in my uh, what Great Lakes. I was in my military base, uh, two-story duplex. <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> 
but uh, I was in the Navy, folks, and I had my funny papers, and I had to call into the intelligence agency, and they changed the number every week. <laughs> but you would know, uh, working with all those intelligence agents, I guess, Dr. Uh, Bruce, uh, tell us about then uh, anything else you know, uh, like Men in Black, the movie. That I just watched three yesterday, Men in Black 3 mm-hmm. with my granddaughter. So uh, do you know anything about Men in Black you can share with us or any nuclear people or ET people, anything oh, like yeah. that? I, know. I, I have a lot of background in history. I have never met a man in black, okay? I mean the the classic type, you know, with the the brim hat and and the black suit. And, um, I've never met any of those, although I've come close. Um, I was uh, being interviewed by um, Dan Aykroyd in New York City back in around 2000 uh, for his new uh, show that he was putting together, Beyond Beliefs. And um, I was there with uh, Sam Sherman, who was a a, a movie producer, and he was. Um, um, promoting me uh, for the show with uh, Dan Aykroyd. And uh, um, we went in and I had my interview and uh, then uh, we left. And then we found out that the show had been canceled. And um, right after I had left, um, two men in black showed up in a a dark sedan uh, parked across the street from the, the, um, uh, the, the, the place where they were having their uh, uh, shooting their 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 films and um, uh, what is her name? Who was the uh, the actress, young actress uh, that uh, was associated with Dan Aykroyd? Um, she's quite famous, but she was um, um, told. Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd was in, in contact with her, and then uh, suddenly he gets a, a call from his uh, producer that the show is canceled. And um, he had gone outside uh, and uh, seen these strange men in black standing next to the sedan, and he turned, and when he turned back, they had disappeared, including the car. And um, right after that, he got a call from his producer that told him that the show was canceled. So um, that's the closest I've ever come to uh, being to uh, something that was being censored uh, by whoever these men in black represent. Hello? Teresa? Hello?
Hello? Hello?
Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Wow. Guess we better not say men in black anymore. <laughs> Dr. Bruce, are you still on the planet or did they zap you? <laughs> well, Robbie Morgan was going to call in. Let me see uh, John Lear. Let's see. Let me, let me see if I can call him. Ringing. He might shoot me. <laughs> Let's see. John Lear. Ringing. Hold on, folks. This is crazy night. So. <laughs> what time is it over there with John Lear in Arizona? He's not answering. <laughs> Just as well. He's probably scared too. All right, let me try. Uh, okay, I'll hang up. Okay, I'm going to try to call. What happened? I don't know. I guess you better not mention Men in Black. <laughs> they zapped you. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like uh, they were listening in on, on the, the show and, and didn't like my portrayal of them, um, you know, that they had. <laughs> So, or or the association connection to uh, Dan Aykroyd, but um, that story is was actually published by George Filer in in 2017 in Filer's Files number 14. So, um, um, it, it it is an interesting story. It, it's quite an interesting story. And um, but uh, there are a lot of things like that that have occurred relative to this phenomenon. Are we still back on the air? Yeah, we're back on the air. I had to call you online because something shut me down. and shut. The show was going on, and I could see it, but they cut my sound and your sound off so we couldn't talk to each other. I've never had that happen, so I had I have dead airspace, which nobody likes on a radio show, so please forgive me, folks. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. I could go back and edit it out, but I... Uh, it may be a while, so I'll just leave it like it is and hope people don't just hang up when they hear dead air and figure out, <laughs> stay around to see what happens. So this is the rest of the show. I played some music. I was trying to get myself back online watching the show on my computer, you know, with the board. So I had the uh, audio clips and the board up, uh, photos up, and I find it really strange that I sent this to Janet and uh, Mad and 
neither one of them showed up, neither one of my producers. So I'm definitely going to have to train you to <laughs> help me sometimes. But only if they don't zap us. <laughs> right. I don't know what. I think, you know, I was like, I couldn't even figure out what was going on. I could see the board and see you and hear you saying hello, but you couldn't hear me. And so you didn't know if you were on or not, but you didn't really have to hang up. You could have kept talking because you were on, but there was no way for you to know that, right? So anyway, you're back here now. So where were we when we were really disassembled in space? Well, we were talking about men in black, and uh, I don't have any personal contacts with them. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of stories out there. Uh, They seem to have been much more common uh, in the uh, 50s and 60s and 70s. And and, uh, ever since, you know, the 90s and 2000s, you you don't – there hasn't been – haven't been many um, – reports of them that I know of, I'm, they still occur, but uh, only occasionally. I guess it's largely because the um, the subject has become so well-known among people trying to threaten somebody uh, and prevent them from sharing their sightings and uh, is, is pointless now. Yeah, I often wondered if they were from another planet or another dimension, but I knew here in the intelligence agency when we wanted to make sure people knew who we were or intimidate someone, they'd send the men in black because when I was moved from Hawaii to the mainland, uh, I was putting in jobs, but apparently the government didn't want me to. They wanted me to do what they wanted me to do. So they sent some men in black to tell this lady they knew that we didn't have – we had internet, but not like we do now in 94 because we waited till Windows 95. But I guess the government always had this stuff because they could listen in on you, you know, and uh, I don't know how because I didn't have a cell phone. But uh, my husband in the government had given me one of these uh, – looks like a cell phone now, but it was uh, not Sharper Image. Was it Sharper Image? It was some company thing where you had your uh, all your people in it. It's like we got today a smartphone, but it wasn't. It was one of those uh, calendar contact things we used to carry around with a beeper or something. Do you remember anything like that? That's what I had. But uh, the men in black showed up and told this lady to tell me to stop applying for jobs and to tell me that the men in black came by and that and said and tell you you're not going to get any job. So I was like, what the heck? What? I mean, a lady, but she looked scared. She said, look, I, you, you know, you know, she she was like a secretary or something outside this big office where I was applying for a job. And she, they didn't want, I guess they wanted me working in the government, or maybe I did work for the government and wasn't aware of it, I, I guess, because my husband brought me from Hawaii over to the mainland with him. But uh, I guess I was just ignorant. So the men in black did show up. And the woman told me, so they said to tell you, men in black suits showed up and told her. When to was this? To this was in what 94. Year? 94? 90, yeah. Yeah, well, they were still showing up in 2000. Uh, so, uh, you know, right now, today, I don't know. I haven't heard of any more recent uh, sightings. I'm sure they have occurred. But the um, there's a lot more interest now in the paranormal. And uh, because of uh, radio shows and, and cell phones and uh, 
the uh, <clears throat> the streaming of videos and movies uh, is so common now with these shows, Ancient Aliens and History Channel, Travel Channel, dealing with ghosts and the paranormal. Um, it, it's amazing that so many people still haven't uh, uh, tuned into these uh, shows. Uh, that that is what has surprised me. Uh, and they, yet I run into people who say, I, I can't stop watching them. I um, uh, watch every episode that I can I watch. And um, so we have this uh, divided community out there of people who are very familiar with the, the subject of uh, uh, non-human ET uh, uh, visitation or presence on Earth and those who are not. Um, and then the movie and- industry... Right, and I don't know which side the movie industry's on. Do you for or against, like Men in Black? If it makes money, they're in favor of it. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> so uh, you know that's the primary um, uh, objective, you know, of uh, turning over money and um, making a profit on all of this. And they need uh, you know reviews and and uh, people who go to the theater and are interested in this. But because of all of the uh, producers that are generating shows on these subjects, <clears throat> more and more people are starting to tune into them. That that I uh, be, truly believe, and uh, <clears throat> so people are getting used to the idea. Uh, <clears throat> whereas back when I first got involved in all of this in 1992, it was a um, a field where there was very uh, there was quite a split crowd. Uh, I remember on on television shows on the subject, they would always have a debunker on the show that would try to come up with some um, natural or or, uh, normal uh, explanation for what had been cited or seen by one of the people on the show. And now, um, uh, more recently, you see the show that is all pushing just the UFO phenomena or the ET phenomena. But recently I saw a travel channel show that I was rather surprised because it's the first one I've seen in decades that had a debunker on it. And uh, it was funny. But you, and, and on the Internet now also you have a, a, a lot of uh, debates going on over certain um, descriptions of artificial anomalies on the moon and on, on Mars for example. Um, and, and so it, it looks like there is a, an opening for those who want to become a professional debunker. Uh, and maybe these are just being pushed by the intelligence community in order to um, alleviate any fear or concern in the public for those who can't accept this. And believe me, there are many people who cannot accept the idea that uh, ET is here or that the paranormal even exists. Um, really? Yeah, my my colleague who, <laughs> right. my yeah my colleague who is a in a, 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 a professor with tenure at Columbia University, and with whom I worked ever since he was in high school, and we published many papers, co-authored many papers together, all the way up until 1993, and um, starting back in in the 70s. And uh, he recently told me that uh, he does not believe in the paranormal. And he says he will not talk about the subject. And 
and he will not read my book. And I said, well, is that ever a closed mind? You know, but that unfortunately is the type of situation you get in academia where a person's credibility and position and income is dependent on taking that position. If you could understand. And and it's it's largely pushed by the National Science Foundation. The National Science Foundation, which approves grants for um, um, employees of universities, researchers, and that's where a lot of their money comes from and university money comes from. Um, If that dries up, those professors and, and, and researchers get fired. Okay. Ah, So the situation that we imagine having been in the, in the military uh, where uh, nobody can talk about the subject because it's taboo. Well, that is still exists within the uh, the colleges and universities today, even though there are some universities. Pardon? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have a delay. Were you in the military or contractor either way? No, I wasn't. I was always, uh, you know, in, in the in the educational um, a pathway uh, to uh, college degrees and working um, using my skills and knowledge uh, for the oil industry. That is where I earned most of my income through most of my professional career. It's only in the last, well, now it's about 30 years that I have been outside the or 25 years outside of the uh, academic realm I have many scientific papers that I, I have written and, and or co- co-authored that are uh, in the in the literature and uh, you can get them online uh, but the uh, that area of research is pretty much stopped because I'm no longer connected to university with a laboratory with microscopes with processing uh, chem, chem labs and things like that. So I don't have access to uh, those facilities uh, and, and tools to be able to continue my profession. Um, what, I, what I do have is the ability to write. And of all of the work that I did between 92 and uh, 2003 out in the field, that information is very current and very relevant to uh, the subject of of, of paranormal and uh, UAP and the existence of non-humans here on Earth. Uh, and, um, oh, there's quite a bit that's been going on, uh, Teresa, um, that people don't realize. And uh, because most people are just concerned with their jobs and their families and, um, you know, um, making enough money to survive. And uh, anything beyond that it really is irrelevant to them unless it directly impacts their lives. And of course, that's common, right? If you can't eat it or make money with it, I guess, or make babies with it, it's just, you know, unless it entertains you, maybe that's what we're here for is to entertain. Right. More and more is entertainment. And that is, I mean, for example, um, um, uh, how many shows have you seen uh, or heard about on television? I mean, the Ancient Aliens is the one that uh, comes up in, in uh, Ancient Astronauts and, and uh, um, uh, all of these shows that deal with uh, sightings and in contact with um, um, technology which we did not develop. 
so I've had quite a bit of contact with that technology and these beings in my lifetime. And I didn't know I, I had that contact, Teresa. Um, back in uh, 1981, I was uh, the president of an independent oil company drilling in Virginia, near Richmond, Virginia. And um, we, we, we drilled a couple deep wells there and found a hell of a lot of oil, but the oil industry collapsed right at that very time. And uh, the, uh, the company, our partner, pulled out. And so it left us uh, beached like a whale and uh, without any income, all of that exploration dried up and we never did uh, complete any of those wells. The oil that we discovered in 81 to 85 is still there in the ground right next to Richmond, Virginia. It's, um, and the amazing thing is that a lot of people uh, who work in Washington, D.C. Uh, have residences in and around uh, the uh, Richmond area, and it, it's become a, uh, a Beverly Hills, literally, in parts and over the the uh, oil fields that we discovered. And uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't. I've never really bothered to check to find out if uh, anybody's gotten back involved, but I suspect they haven't because the the um, um, uh, Getting land leases, the landmen would have a, a hell of a time trying to piece together enough permits to drill on property where you have a hundred thousand dollar and million dollar homes, uh, one right after another on top of an oil field, just like Beverly Hills. Um, and without any producing wells in the area, the oil companies won't get back involved. Well, that was what I was involved with back in the in the early '80s. And it was also the time when I was abducted uh, by non-humans in a craft uh, hovering next to the well site, and my entire drill crew saw me being taken and being returned. And uh, I was returned with physical injuries, ser- serious physical injuries. And uh, I'm not going to oil because the one I was telling you about in '94. I they took me out. They didn't talk to each other. They used ESP because they kept looking at me and acting like they were talking, but their mouths didn't move. They were humans, I guess. Maybe they were ETs. But they went over to it was in the oil rig area, and they were a guy was drilling or maybe he was doing a post hole digging, but it was in front of one of those oil things in Oklahoma. So the Oklahoma oil. But that is odd that they had extraterrestrial intelligence officers and oil together. You're the first one that's mentioned that, like Men in Black Knight. But what what would that be about? I've never – I've always wondered because I have the vision of sitting in this man's big Cadillac, just like it needed the horns on the front of it, one of those big, long Cadillacs. I had one right. like it or my husband did in Hawaii, so I assumed – the intelligence agency was using all the things that I liked or had in my memories or the extraterrestrials did. But I was sitting there looking at, at the fence post, which I'm sure you've seen wire and post, and they were big. But a man was sitting there. I think he was drilling a post on a fence or not. He was drilling something with a hand auger, you know, a big long pole with a cross, T-cross on it and twisting it, which mm-hmm. I don't know what that what that was, I guess. 
But they kept looking at me, but their mouths weren't moving. But I got the distinct feeling they were going to talk to each other because he told me he was going to pick up, I don't know, his son or somebody. And uh, we were going to eat, and they didn't talk the whole time in the car, and then they didn't talk. He told me not to talk. And then when they got through eating, and, you know, the only thing I was allowed to do is order my what I ordered at the restaurant. And they sat there and didn't talk to each other. So by the time they were through and getting up, I said, well, wait, aren't y'all going to talk? He said, we already did. And they got up and paid for lunch, and we walked out. And I've been spooked ever since. <laughs> well, it was over one, one of the things One of the things that I have been introduced to, and this is something that uh, I think the biggest secrets that the government has tried to keep from the public is that many of these non-humans are actually walking around as humans. They look like humans, okay? Oh, I believe but they that. Have te- yeah. they, they have telepathic uh, capability. They have access to the t- technology, and they don't want the public to know uh, that they're here. Uh, it's not so much the government that is keeping the secret as the ETs that are keeping uh, the secret from the public because well, they are God, literally – Yeah, go ahead. Go, literally, they go ahead. are literally – Everywhere. I mean, I even was married to one for seven years. And I well, didn't I realize. About that. I was too, but I wondered about that, Bruce, because they told me never, ever say anything to anybody ever. And I was like, I don't know anybody. I mean, I'm, I was getting divorced and I didn't know anybody, but I never, I never could figure out till right now talking to you. Why would they tell me to never, ever mention any, and I don't even know what they were referring to. I can't, I'm like, what? I don't even. I, I can't even hear you guys. I, I don't know what y'all are talking. What would I keep? Never talk about the fact that their mouths didn't move. Maybe that's what it, they told me to never ever talk about. I mean, what would be so secret right. that you can't hear it? Well, that is slowly coming uh, to uh, the public awareness. That is part of the disclosure. Uh, that uh, it's you know. Uh, that most people think that ET, thanks to Hollywood, uh, look different than we do. Okay, I mean that, uh, but there are a lot of them that literally transfer their consciousness into a human body, and they live among us. They walk with us. I mean, when my uh, late wife, after she died, at her cemetery, my mother and I were there to uh, say the farewell. And her spirit appeared over her grave. And, and I caught it on camera, a video camera, and it's on the Internet under uh, a, 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 a short book, a story about her called The Passion of Bonnie. And um, then I was telepathically told to turn off the camcorder, which I wish they had done, and a second sun appeared at the base of an overhead cumulus cloud and sent down a beam of golden light that captured her spirit. My mother and I saw it rise up in that beam into that second sun. This was in 8.31 in the morning, and the, the true sun had barely cleared the trees to the east. And once the, her spirit, her colors of her spirit went up into the, that second sun, the beam was retracted, and the light went out. And, but it wasn't until about oh, five or more years later uh, that uh, technology uh, advanced to the point that uh, many people could have their own 
computers, PCs, um, at, in their homes, and software for uh, manipulating photographs and videos was available. And through Photoshop and through various programs, I captured uh, frames from that video and enhanced them. And I found a huge dome-shaped white circular mothership embedded in the cloud over Bonnie's grave. And um, so it became clear that uh, she was an ET. And then uh, she came back to me in spirit and communicated with me and told me who she was and what organization, ET organization, she's part of. So um, this is nothing new to me. I mean, I've been part, part of their program uh, ever since, uh, you know, uh, I lived with her and didn't have the slightest cue that she was some, somebody uh, not, uh, uh, not of this world, so to speak, uh, but she had extremely um, uh, advanced psychic capability. She taught me two months before she died how to communicate with her telepathically, to recognize her thoughts in my head. And, and then after she died, she continued to communicate with me. She told me where she wanted to be buried, which I, I followed. And, I, and, and when I first met her, she told me she was uh, very psychic, uh, precognitive. She could uh, see into the future. She was clairvoyant. She could move objects with her mind, which she demonstrated. She could uh, control electronics with her mind, which she demonstrated. And uh, she had been tested by the Princeton University uh, Paranormal Lab and, and virtually uh, scored 100%. So um, that information if, uh, is, is available, I'm sure, if for somebody who would research it. Uh, but Bonnie was an extraordinary human but she was born to a, a human mother on earth. And, and if you have uh, birth papers, if you have a birth date, nobody's going to suspect that you're anything but human, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I've got a piece of paper, but I've died a few times, gone out of body, come back, work with ETs, work with people that apparently can talk. Now, some I've worked with, some I can hear. I guess they want you to, you can, and I don't know how they turn it on and off, but I'm here to tell my story now, but I didn't know it was going to be like tonight, and I didn't know, because believe me, we sound nuts to those people that don't have any awareness or open mind. You can't be unbiased and biased when you're trying to live the balance and stay sane. you got to open your mind to other possibilities that aren't in your reality, because you know, when we're kids, we don't even know all the colors in the color box. And it's right. not much difference when you're an adult. You can still find all kind of weird fuchsias and magentas. And, you know, they're just if they're not in the rainbow, the basic red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. But a lot of people, they only see the rainbow. But there's other colors. If, I don't know if that's a good analogy or allegory or whatever example. But you know what I'm saying. And that's what I think yes, you and I are yes. talking about is the fact that a lot of people just are not open to it. So the others of us go along together in some kind of tribe or go on to the next level or the, own, the next universe, I don't know, or next planet. Or I worked with people from Andromeda because they didn't know how to tell me. They said they found us on the planet. Uh, and my husband said the same thing. They found us. It was it was well over 
500,000 years ago, but they said they found us eating with the uh, animals, grass along with the water. And I was like, what? So I don't think they made us the ones that were protecting like uh, guardians of the galaxies or the universe. They were, they found us here. So they were over a half a million, if not a million, but they said, you know, my husband and I were comparing their extraterrestrial-like explorers, but my husband, all he could say is they put their pants on the same way we did, and they looked like us, but they had some little grays working with them, and they said, of course, they're they're playing it, the ones we worked with, there's all kinds of those out there, too, but there's the tall and the short and this color gray and that color gray, and, you know, there's some pale blues and stuff, but that was common talk but it wasn't when we started sort of like me and you tonight we're just starting to get to know each other a little more is coming out for you and me i mean you know because you knew i knew your story about your wife and i you know and people have learned you about that but not and a little bit about bigelow but not that much so we're really starting to get to know each other but this allied command organization 2020 new heroes i didn't even know what tonight was going to be about because I started this with Ken Johnston and uh, Mad Painter, and Janet wanted to be in it. And you know you've talked to Janet. So this is right. very curious right. to me, Dr. Cornett. There's got to be something we're doing right, even if it's for the ones that don't know anything. Because maybe they'll come to the reality that awareness is more than the seven colors of the rainbow, so to speak. Yes, yes. You're absolutely right. That uh, and with language, it's the same problem. Um, with our minds, if we don't have a word for something, we don't may, might not even know it exists. We have to identify and name everything, and that's how our brain I think, works. I know that I'm waking up to the reality with you that those little simple things that I didn't think were that important. I'm hearing me say. But I've always known it, and it happened to me, but it didn't make any sense. But hearing you talk about it, too, with the oil, for some reason, with uh, the bushes and the Arabi- these uh, princes, I talked about it, yes, I think, on my birthday on uh, the other radio channel, Revolution Radio Channel with a mad painter. Uh, they, they call it Freedom's Lips or Freedom's Lips. We started right. out with Mike Ringley. January 1st, 2011 or 12. Anyway, we're about the same time, but uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do more recording or not. depends on who wants to pay for it and archive it, right? And I don't mind helping anybody with all that. And I do one show with Janet on Thursdays, Portal Stargate, for their uh, chat room and their website. And you and I are doing for ACIR. Did you get a copy of that, ACIR.com, to see your book and your picture? Uh, I haven't, haven't seen it on your, your websites yet. I've seen it on Janet's uh, website, but not on yours. Okay, I sent you before you can get in, so maybe you are important uh, to me in the, in the ETs because I guard their secrets and their, what they give me with my life. Now, let me see. I sent it to you, but why didn't you see it? But then after being cut off tonight and you couldn't hear me, for some reason that doesn't surprise me. So let me look up. What would that be? A-C-I-R. I I think it's radio.com on my company. 
my company, which had to be approved by the government and done in Bradstreet as a government contractor, and they called me out of Austin, Texas, which I don't understand. Does Texas mean anything to you? Oh, wait, you're in Texas. Right. Wait, what am I saying? Well, they had their proof for me to do what I'm doing, and I don't know what's going on, but I know that this is a curious thing, and why would I put you in ACIR? But uh, let me look and see. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to look. Uh, ACIR radio. I think it's uh, ACIR radio. AC, here it is. Log in ACIR. I have uh, three attempts remaining. I don't want to get in on my WordPress right now. So it is ACIRradio.com that you're on, Bruce. ACIRradio.com. Right dot com and then it's American Communications Online. And then right now you're uh broadcasting live on T J Mars E T radio, my personal channel. And uh it's it's well known and it's established in uh iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Castbox, I said iHeart then I Sonos all kinds of play because I've been paying for years to get it out there on these, and some of them you don't have to pay; they pick you up. You have to have so many episodes. I've got 802 on file. I got rid of a lot of them because I didn't realize I was an archivist, but for some reason I didn't know I was going to keep doing radio. So I may miss a bill or something and didn't think about it, but they kept archiving them. I thought, well, that's curious. So I just started paying it and keeping it and went on back in. So it's this upcoming broadcast, Allied Command Organization, 2020 News Heroes. We're live on the air in Paranormal, but we're broadcasting on Blog Talk Radio out of New York. TJ Mars ET Radio is the brand. Now, our club is ACO Club. It says Alien Contact Organizers, Dr. Bruce Cornett and Teresa J. Moss. So they're letting us do that. And then ACIR, Allied Command Investigative Reporters, and also we have Allied Command Intergalactic Reporters. Either are it's interchangeable. So it's like you said the words. See, not even you working in biology in the oil business made sense to me, but now it sort of does because that's how I got started with extraterrestrials in '94, the Men in Black. And that's odd to me. Now, the men in black would keep up with me when I was in Hawaii, and they'd come watch me do readings and uh, sit, stand over me. I don't know if they were trying to intimidate me or what. And then when I'd go swimming at Hanama Bay, my daughter would ask me, who are those men in black standing up there? Why? It's so hot, Mom. That doesn't make sense. Are you making them wear those suits? You know, because I, uh-huh. I was sort of a president CEO type of person and had bodyguards. <laughs> But I used um, – somebody assigned uh, – you know who Tom Selleck is? He uh, – Magnum yeah. P.I.? Yeah. yeah. Well, he, yeah. Had, he had a club in Hawaii, and I used to hang out, and we had the same bodyguards. So my daughter thought maybe that was who was guarding me you know, back then, and uh, I didn't know who these men in black were. I know that when Clinton came over uh, to the Hilton, and I lived in a big mansion a couple of doors down from the Kahala Hilton – well, not a couple. It's about six mansions down. It's on the same street as the Call of Hilton. But uh, the men in black walked alongside my Cadillac when I was trying to go to work, and they wanted me to not to stay out of the way, and I had to get to work. So it didn't matter. It's the only road. It was the ocean, the road, and 
that was it. I, you know, I couldn't go in the ocean, so <laughs> I was going to stay on the road. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. this Men in Black thing is – I watched it yesterday. It's called MIB International, and it has a new little girl, and it was really good. It wasn't – I mean, it was cute, but it was it was good. I was sort of shocked, at least the part I got to watch. I didn't get to watch all of it. So have you seen Men in Black International yet? No, no, I haven't. I didn't uh, even know no, they I had think, another movie out. I think I saw an advertisement for it. Yeah. Am I, am I, let me see if it is. But uh, what it is is I like movies, and I like to be entertained. And I know that the extraterrestrials find us very entertaining, and I'm leaning towards that. But you're starting to make me uh, understand more. MIB International Review. I wonder because the first – they had uh, that really good-looking man that plays Thor. Uh, his name is – he plays Agent H. Chris Hemsworth, have you heard of him? He's the big guy looks like Thor. Or, well, <laughs> he plays Thor in a movie. <laughs> so I oh, guess he looks okay. Like Thor. Big, tall guy played Thor with a hammer. Throw it. And, but his name is Chris Hemsworth. I wonder if I can get a background on him. Uh, yeah, okay, here we go. Christopher Hensworth is an Australian actor. He rose to performance playing Kim Hyde in Australian TV, Home and Away, before beginning a film career in Hollywood by taking on parts in science fiction, Star Trek, and the thriller A Perfect Getaway. It doesn't mention him be playing Thor, but that's how I knew him because I'm into superheroes, which tonight is about. So he played Thor in the movie 2011, Thor Ragnarok in 2017. He was in Men in Black International in 2019, folks, and he's played Avengers Endgame 2019 and the Avengers 2012. Now, he's very good-looking, and he is a, like a major player, uh, being very tall, very handsome, and uh, he has a large following, uh, and he's a superhero. He's Thor, <laughs> but he's also mm. uh, the most famous Men in Black. But he's only 36. He was born August 11th, 1983, but he's 6'3". So he has the height, right? And he has children. He has Indian Rose, Tristan, and Sasha Hemsworth, three children. Uh, He's been on Home Away, Dancing with the Stars. Darn it, I missed him on Dancing with the Stars. I'll have to go find that. Gwyneth Jones. But uh, folks, trying to combine reality and movies and uh, positions you know it's sort of strange that we do this anyway so how much is real and how much is there's information disinformation and misinformation we know so always think about not just black or white or right or wrong or positive or negative or sun and moon you know what i'm saying bruce there's more the balance is in the part we don't know uh Robert well there's so much uh, untr- untruth out there uh, that's being okay. promoted as truth that people cannot, um, uh, you know, we as humans cannot distinguish between truth and a lie. Uh, we need evidence. Reality, right? Yeah. Empirical evidence is, is a lot of people. But what about spirituality? There's a lot of stuff that, of course, this is all blending together, not thanks to quantum physics, science and art. And, you know, it's quantum physics. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. we we got to do better with this Allied Command Organization. Now, what do you think of uh, 
the second part of well, there's new heroes. Who will it be? We will bring the balance to both order and chaos with our communications of thoughts and opinions of our perceptions of both arts and sciences with our ascension age seances, which is really like you and I are doing now. And we've got the veterans and storytellers of the Authors Book Club, so I'll invite you to get your book in there. Then Allied Command Organization, Department of American Communication Online. I've got Dr. Bruce Cornett, Ph.D., Allied Command Organization, and ACIR, Allied Command Internet Reporter. And then we've got ACR Radio, so we'll put this with ACR Radio and probably uh, tonight's Allied Command, which is org ACO uh, Revolution Radio Club, maybe, even though Mad didn't show up tonight. He's probably sick. It's Friday night, and it's holidays, folks, till the New Year. So uh, I've, I've decided I'm going to try to do this daily to get some information out there. And we're doing Tuesday UFO Digest. Not UFO Digest with Robert Morningstar, UFO Association with Jan Aldrich. And then Robert's going to help me with the UFO Digest. And he and I do uh, radio shows with Revolution Radio already. Well, what do you think, uh, Bruce? Because we want to get back on track with you. But also, what do you think about these 2020 superheroes going, you know, have you got any that you know about or anything in the movies? Because... We're going to have the real deal, but we're also going to use superheroes and the Comic-Con and events, and you're going to be going to an event. Well, my, my understanding of superheroes is that uh, they, they require uh, tech, technology to give them the powers that they have, okay? That, uh, that's my limited knowledge uh, of what superheroes can be. I mean, when I grew up, uh, they would put on a, a uniform or a, a cloak, and then suddenly have the po- these powers. Well, I, I think we could grow up to realize that that's not how it works. But then again, there are people that um, have unusual psychic abilities. That uh, my late wife Bonnie, uh, she had extraordinary abilities, but uh, she rarely used them, and uh, that's about the extent to which I understood what was going on, that her capability of healing the human body, of reading minds, of levitating and things of this nature um, uh, was something that most people don't have. Now today you hear about uh, the hybrid children. Well, hybrids aren't necessarily part ETs uh, and or greys or whatever uh, you could imagine uh, being an extraterrestrial. They are genetically modified humans. They are part of the next generation of humanity on this planet. And they are uh, being born to women uh, at an alarmingly high rate. They, they tend to be called star children. And I've, um, I've met them. I, I know uh, that these, this is actually occurring. And uh, the question is, is it? for replacement of uh, us or is it for an enhancement and and evolution of the human race as a whole? Um, But they have special abilities. I mean, we hear more and more about children who um, have extraordinary uh, mental capabilities who score very high on IQ tests when they're in, in, in elementary school, for example. Um, So, Abilities can uh, be transferred uh, to humans 
from previous lifetimes. Now we're finding this to be a part of what is actually happening, that while children can have extraordinary abilities that they probably acquired from a previous lifetime and uh, that this was passed on to their current lifetime. Uh, but we've had, unfortunately, uh, a lot of uh, lies being perpetrated by the established governments and religions of our past that have told us that um, uh, we don't, um, the reincarnation does not occur, that we don't get recycled here on Earth. But now we're finding out through very scientific studies that this is exactly what is happening. And we're also getting more uh, souls and, and uh, coming from other worlds to planet Earth, bringing with them a lot of abilities uh, that they had on those other planets. So when you're talking about um, you know, superheroes, you're really talking about people with extraordinary uh, capabilities above and beyond that of the normal human. human. And um, I, I think that a lot of things that we see coming out of Hollywood, uh, based, look at the technology uh, that we've seen uh, through uh, of various sci-fi movies. Now we're getting to the point where we're seeing that that technology is, is true. It, it's real. It, we have in, it created it. We uh, invented it. It is, it is in our world today. Who would have ever imagined that you could hold this little uh, rectangular object in your hand and talk to anybody or see anybody anywhere in the world? I mean, uh, 50 years ago, that was an inconceivable uh, concept. But yet we had uh, comics, uh, Dick Tracy, who had this watch that he could see and talk to other people in, in other parts of, of the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I never looked at it like that, but I wore one of those Dick Tracy watches when I was a kid. I remember they were that, plastic. but <laughs> yeah, yeah, plastic, right. But they have become real. It's as if we are being educated you know, if we, we, we have our roots, genetic roots, you know, with, with primates, with um, the different types of apes of this planet, uh, there's been a gradual education and modification of our DNA so that we would become more and more like those who want to walk on this planet in human bodies. So um, there was one movie... Uh, that I saw it was, I believe, originally made in black and white. It was back in the uh, 50s or 60s, I think the 60s, called They Live. And it was about this alien race that had taken over the world and that uh, most people could not see. They were hypnotized to believing that uh, these aliens looked like them. But uh, those, uh, there were these special glasses. And if you put the glasses on, you could distinguish between a, a true human and an alien. And uh, I, I was deeply affected by that because the implication was that um, uh, E.T. doesn't have to uh, conquer us and come here and, and destroy us with weapons. They just have to replace us without us realizing that we are being replaced. Interesting. Wow. Well, 
I guess we better keep this under paranormal tonight. (laughs) Yeah. So the more you see, uh, you know, uh, hear about extraordinary people, uh, and and, uh, especially not just in IQ, but in physical capabilities, uh, we are very weak uh, hominid. I mean, if we compare our physical bodies to those of the chimpanzee or the gorilla or any of the other primates, they are five to ten times stronger than we are. Why? Why are, are we so weak? Why is our, our, our spine and lower backs so poorly designed for the gravity on this planet? And, and there are a lot of other problems that you know, one has to ask is if God created us, why did he make us such weaklings on this planet? Even though we have the capability of inventing things and, and, and uh, conquering the world, taking it over, uh, who are we doing this for? Why are we doing this? Could this be, you know, maybe this uh, Anunnaki had it right. We are their slaves. And, you know, when you look at our, our um, industrial complex, military aerospace industrial complex, are we building these machines that go out of the space for ourselves or are we doing it for somebody else? I think it's both somehow. I feel like I'm involved, and yes. I feel like you are too. But I've, maybe certain people are chosen. Uh, maybe it's my past lives because I've died three times in this life just like Bonnie, and I have a story to tell. And I've gone the spiritual route, and I know that she did, and you're even giving a talk at UFO MegaCon, which is Laughlin, in Laughlin, the other Vegas, with Bob Brown. You want to tell us a little about that? Uh, because oh, we've got 30 minutes left, but we lost some in between. The, I don't know how much, 10 minutes or so, but I don't know how to fix it unless I go back and fix it and edit it, but I usually don't. But we did uh, – we've got some pretty good information out there today considering that uh, – I didn't know I was going to do it, but I did – put it out there on you on uh facebook well, thank you. so thank you. what's going on with this uh mega UFO? conference yeah, well why can bob, you tell us what you know about bob because uh i don't know how much how big it's going to be but he's been doing this for years and years but he didn't really want to talk about himself but he needs to get out and market himself and why he's doing what he's doing as a 2020 you know superhero kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> we're doing this. Yeah, I would have to put him in that category with what the energy he's putting out and the things that he's accomplishing. Um, he told me on a phone conversation that he, when he started out, uh, Giorgio Sukalos was on his board. Did you know that? Uh-uh. I think you told me, and I've been really impressed because I watch him because he and Philip Coppins did an event up in Minnesota with uh, Richard Dolan and Karen, my friend Karen Dolan, when she was friends with me and Kathleen, uh, married to Philip Coppins. I had a past life with a lot of these people. So somehow they brought me into this, and that's how Giorgio got involved. And then Bob Brown, which I've never met, but he kept com- his name keeps coming up in my life. So I'm wondering, I'm thinking we have a past life. Probably you and I do too. So what do you know about him besides Giorgio Sukalos? 
Well, was he ever I mean, on that Disney he, Channel? Yeah, with, with, with Wendell Stevens was also one of his partners. Also, uh, and unfortunately, unfortunately, Wendell has passed on. But um, um, they started this in Laughlin uh, many years ago. I don't know the, exactly when they started this. But uh, it's been successful enough uh, that they're continuing. And uh, Bob and his partner, Gordon, were at the, um, the Coffee 11 uh, conference in Albuquerque in August of this year. Um, what is they Gordon listened, and what is coffee? Is, are you talking coffee? Why don't I the coffee is the, it's an acronym, C-O-F-E-11. It means the Conference of, of Future Energy. Okay, and and Albuquerque, that's what uh, it stands for. And it was held in conjunction with, along with, um, Extraordinary Technology Conference, okay, that was uh, uh, run by uh, Steve Ellswick. And um, I gave talks at both of those conferences uh, in August. And there are 90-minute conferences, uh, our talks, and uh, Bob and Gordon listened to both of them, and they were totally blown away. And they and they offered me a, a opportunity to talk at uh, at their conference in Lockham in February of this next year. Also, are you going to talk about unconventional aircraft and performances? Are part of disclosure of hardware? Because I'm looking at this Coffee Eleven. It says. You were a special speaker, Bruce Cornett. Yes. You were like keynote speaker at this. And yes, who I is was. this Gordon you keep talking about? Who, Gordon? Uh, I forget his last name. I have it, you know, on my emails. I'd have to check for it. Uh, I I apologize for <clears throat> not memorizing that his last name. But it's not um, Gordon Ramsay, right? Gordon Ramsay. No. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't. Would, would he be on the on the? Uh, brochure or the uh, poster that you sent me. I know Bob Brown sent me. He said, because I was doing Lorian Fenton's from a year ago, and he said, here, if you want to promote something, use this one instead. I went, okay. But I haven't put it out there on anything yet, so I need to do that. Well, well, he heard both my talks, and, and, and my two talks weren't the same. I had material in one that I didn't have in the other, and vice versa. Okay, because I have so much material. Um, I have over 137 close encounters with uh, documented, and most of them are documented with time exposures and video, and or video. And uh, he, he had never seen anything, uh, so much uh, scientific data being presented. Um, and even though there are no clear daytime shots of these craft, except for the craft that buzzed our helicopter, at Mach 5 uh, in, in uh, April, uh, or, or no, it was May 10th, 1994. That was an extraordinary event where the uh, pilot of the craft actually told me when to push the button on my camera as his craft uh, flew in front of our helicopter at over 5,000 miles an hour and leaving a streak of light and it bounced the helicopter and it didn't and he did that not just once, but three times. And every time he w- would tell me when to uh, push the button on my camera, I would go to take a picture and he'd say, wait. And it was very clear in my mind. And then I, I 
go to take the picture again, he'd say, wait. And then he said, now, and I pushed the button, and there was a flash of light in front of the helicopter, and the helicopter bounced. And um, uh, it, it was all outlined, the ship. It was a tetrahedral-shaped ship, uh, uh, um, asymmetrical-shaped tetrahedron with a pair of bright plasma lights at, at its nose, and the back triangular part of it was uh, outlined in smaller white uh, plasma lights. And um, there's no way you can photograph a bullet coming out of a rifle, which travels at a much slower speed than this craft traveled, without knowing exactly when to push the shutter button. So um, that proved to me that he was not only reading, tell, reading my mind, and he knew what I was doing, but he uh, could speak to me. And I, and I, I heard him, and I responded. So, um, but anyway, I talked about that at, uh, uh, during the conference, and he asked me if I would give uh, a talk at, at his conference. And I said, well, and he said, I want you to combine both talks. And I said, well, uh, you're going to have to give me more time. So he's given me two hours. And that's an amazing. Uh, so I can talk and uh, show all of these videos that I have uh, during my presentation. That's one Wonderful. talk. Yeah. That's one talk. The other talk is about my uh, experience with, with Bonnie, my late wife, who is Katra spiritually and uh, who was uh, 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 one of the, he was one of the Adonaki, and uh, was also uh, the uh, the high goddess of ancient Egypt, who uh, Isis and Nephthys worshipped, and uh, she told me all about you know who was involved with the scripture. Now a lot of people are going to th- you know scream heresy, and and not going to want to believe what I'm I'm saying. But there are others who have been waking up to the reality that many of the characters within uh, our, our our scriptures uh, are not uh, up there with the the uh, Most High God of who created the universe. They're much lower down in terms of their own authority and and abilities. Uh, so, and the Gnostics appeared to have had uh, the right idea about what's going on. And, of course, the uh, uh, Jews and the Christians and the Muslims don't want to believe that. They want to believe uh, that, you know, their God is the, the prime God of all of creation. And uh, we're being deceived. And that's why I say in my, in my title of my talk, uh, Anatomy of an E.T. Spiritual Deception of Biblical Magnitude. And uh, that talk is going to be uh, a very heavy on information. I mean, I have 46 slides, 47 slides, that, um, and I'll be reading the words on each one of those slides with the images and, and telling a story that I've told you to some degree uh, about my late wife and who she is and, and uh, why I was involved, why I was chosen, and uh, when I met my three children, who were uh, conceived and born before either their biological mother, Bonnie, or I had lost our virginity, before we even met, they were conceived and born. Bonnie, uh, at age 17, um, became pregnant. She had never known a man, 
and uh, her, her, she lost, her pregnancy ended on the 1st of August, 1967. She woke up to find her belly flat and some blood between her legs and her hymen broken, and the pregnancy was over. And uh, the, uh, she followed the scripture in Revelation chapter 12, word by word, all the way through it. Um, and I didn't realize this until 2010 and made that connection. And, and I was asked to participate and, and, and protect her for seven years, or time, times, and half a time, uh, in, in verses uh, 15 and 16 of chapter 12. And I've I put this whole puzzle together, uh, but the implications are, are earth-shaking, are literally. They'll, they're uh, undercut all religions because they basically indicate that um, that we have been deceived uh, by uh, intelligences that are not the ones that created the universe, but they want to control the church. When I was in, uh, I started writing my stories in 2007, about August, when the Catholic Church broke something in that year, as did the Russians. Something happened between NASA, Russia, and the Catholic Church and me. <laughs> an intelligence agency, and I'm not exactly sure what, but I was telling the truth about uh, my husband working at NASA for Chris Kraft and hearing what the astronauts were saying, so I feel like I've done my part because I was scared to death to come out, plus I was married to my husband that was, you know, E.T. hybrid, but, you know, he was born here, and his sisters would never admit it, and you know, he had a 3D life with me for 20 years, an intelligence agency for President Reagan, and now he's passed. And then uh, Kevin Smith that had me on his radio show passed. Dirk Vanderplug, that was my producer in Canada for UFO Digest, passed. And uh, everybody that's been around me helping me with the extraterrestrial business has passed. But Rick Doty would never come out and help me. Uh, but he was under Air Force just doing his job over, you know. <laughs> but I think that he was part of the group that was being told to keep it under wraps uh, when the government didn't want to expose the trying, all the, uh, you know, classified spacecraft that the government was really making or reverse technology. So I right. believe that he got off with Robert Moore, I think. But I'm trying to cover all this with Jan Aldrich. And Jan has. Uh, Project 1947, and he was working in Tufos, and I got him and his buddy Barry Green. Was it Barry Green Moore? Barry? Oh shoot! Now I've got to have Barry come on, but we can have Barry come on and tell us a lot about the history of collecting uh, stories for years and years around the world and uh, what they've collected. So they're making their own narrative. Apparently, Bob Brown is making his own narrative, but he prefers to do it as events. With speakers, right, to show right. what you're going to, uh, PowerPoint presentations right, with slides. And that's what you're going to do for Bob Brown. But you can't remember the green jo- – I mean, uh, Gordon. You don't know who Gordon is? Is it on his poster, Gordon? Is he a, I'm very curious. I don't curious. think it's on the poster. Uh, I know he's on, on the emails I get, uh, so – uh, along uh, usually, uh, you know, when uh, Steve Ellswick works with uh, Todd Valone on these conferences, uh, well, 
that they are different from the one that uh, uh, Bob Brown and Ed Gordon work with. So I've got Steve Colburn of Neuro Neutron Star Notech on one of our director board's uh, implant papers, and then he works with Daryl Sims. But I don't see oh Island uh, yeah uh, Bob Brown. Let's see. Bob Brown, but I don't remember anybody else's name unless I got I put in for that because Janet told me to. Janet Carroll Lesson of you know who Janet is. You've been on a show with her, Aquarian sure. Radio. And her husband, Dr. Uh, all right, Gordon's last name is uh, uh Peckwell. P E K R U L. Gordon Peckwell. P E K R U L. Okay, I'm tired of talking about him not knowing who he is. So he's of Arizona. Would that be the one? Gordon Peckrell. Uh, I wonder if he's the profile. He's hard to look up too. Is he a construction super, supervisor at Raging River Exploration? Probably not. I have no idea. I, I just met him at in, in Albuquerque, uh, and that's all I know about him. Scott, I have pictures yeah. of him. Phoenix, Arizona. Does he live in Phoenix? I Very likely. Very likely. There's so many of them on LinkedIn. When I was working with ABC Television and ABC Go and their uh, producers uh, for ABC in New York and California, L.A., they told me to use LinkedIn. That's where they found me as a psychic (laughs) when they needed one for television and for doing readings. But the government found me based on the fact that I was twirling batons and knives and fire batons at a high school football team. And then we went into NASA, right? My husband worked at NASA. My first clearance papers were done May 67 going to Washington myself. But fortunately, I had kids, so I I had all my children in my husband's paper. He didn't have to go to Vietnam since he got me pregnant at 15. So I'm one of those people that had babies at 15, but I haven't been on that reality show. I haven't been on any space shows. I haven't been in any UFO events. I've only done this my, uh, concern, uh, my, uh, uh, From my wife, uh, uh, she had her first show at age 15. And she's an uh, experiencer. And, and had We've got a similar story. I don't get this why she and I have a story. What is And the, the tall man who was carrying her Can you hear me? And suffered through a portal important in later on in her life. And I said, just to realize that uh, uh, types of, of intelligent humanoid beings in this universe. So. Well, can we hear me okay? Yeah. Can, did you, did I, were you able to hear me? No, they cut it all off, whatever you said. They made it cryptic. Oh, no. What did you I'm yeah, talking about my, my former uh, uh, wife, Sharon uh, Cornette, who at age two was abducted uh, and uh, taken by a tall man to a uh, through a portal to a hangar with all these booths, and uh, at each one was a different uh, extraterrestrial 
sitting there and she was taken from one booth to another and introduced to all of the different types of humanoids that ex- have uh, exist in the universe, uh, at least locally. Huh. Well, I've only seen the grays and the whites and some pale blues and pale pinks, but I was called Samyase, and somebody cornered me on that because I go flying around in UFOs. But now Samyase was actually a sign of respect uh, as a uh, commander, Samyase. But apparently it's been used in the Billy Myers story with a tall blonde is what – and I haven't studied the Billy Myers story, but Dr. Bruce McAbee came on a couple of my shows and helped me start Alien Contact Org. And I've been real cryptic all these years, but now it's time for me to be activated and come out not just uh, sketchy as I've been for all these years. But I'm going to come out and own that I'm a Cosmos ambassador and talk about the various levels and universes in a more direct sense. And then I would like somebody like you to help me uh, validate what I've been doing with all my books for the Ascension Age. I was given that by extraterrestrials. And then they came and put signs on uh, on my wall, orbs, but they've given me all kind of information. And uh, then working with my husband underground in these ships and then off planet and then be on a really huge ship, really long ship. So I've been on one with him, and then they picked me up here in Gulf Breeze. They had me intentionally move here to Gulf Breeze, and uh, I, I became the uh, Gulf Breeze point of contact, which I don't understand why, as a Cosmos ambassador, I have to be in Gulf Breeze. But I'm surrounded by all the military bases, and it's supposed to be a safe zone for me with other countries. Uh, doesn't make sense to me. I've always got police officers and sheriffs all around me if I ever leave the house. I'm always escorted. You just can't see them. But that's been my entire life. I told you about the men in black in Hawaii. And then when I'd get off the planes in Hawaii, the uh, Yakuza-looking dudes from Japan and uh, where else was it? Uh, uh, Somewhere in China. They escorted my husband in China. But apparently all the people that run the most the richest countries are the strongest countries know who I am and they knew Tom and the uh the queen of England made my husband a uh like a what do they call those one night not she knighted my husband i guess i'm a lady now <laughs> lord and lady <laughs> now just him uh, back in 1980 or to 87 over in the uk so, uh, but uh, now I was met by uh, Viscount uh, that uh, was helping me in Europe, and they paid for my hotel. It was a five star too, four seasons. So uh, somebody knows something about me, then they're not telling me. And uh, but with you giving me a clue tonight, I think I'm waking up a little bit more. I'm going to start putting all these things that weren't important uh, that may be important when I start pulling it all together, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you've ever... had experiences with your, your husband aboard ships that you actually remember the d- details on it, have you written oh, yeah. this stuff down? Uh, some of them are out in books, but I would never uh, – yeah, I've got 40-some-odd books written, Bruce. Uh T.J. Mark wow. Publishing, yeah, and 
the one that Ahmad just did, uh, but I have a knowing cosmology, and it's called Ascension Age. That's the one that the government let me do keep because it was just blips and burp of what I was supposed to uh, promote in 2020. But it's Knowing Cosmology, Ascension Age, uh, Book of Teresa. Let me see what it says. It says, Knowing Cosmology, Ascension Age, History. My work was initially based on art, culture, education, science, technology, folk life history, world religions, and philosophy. But it says it was originally published January 18th, 2014. Now, the government let me keep that one, and then I've got Cosmic Consciousness. I've got Alien UFO Contact, Taken Up. Now, when I went and did that Mid-South Con, all the little kids came up because I was like a alley on the uh, Steven Spielberg movie in Taken Up, or Taken. I think it was just called Taken. But your picture's out there with me, Jan Aldrich, a uh, lot. Uh, the UFO Association, Ascension Age. Uh, which was real important. Janet's picture with Dr. Ken Johnston. My husband's picture out there. But my husband came off the ship and came back to die here on the planet. They weren't going to let him come back. But they finally uh, I agreed to take care of him because I had my own command of ships, and he and I were equal on the planet. And there can only be one level that we were at, but I stepped down off the ship and came down to the, to Earth like your wife, and uh, uh, make sure he died on the planet per his choice. So that was part of the reason I was on the planet. But he met me on the ship before he came, and then he met me in Africa, and he met me in Europe. And we worked uh, intelligence agency. And then uh, I worked, uh, and he worked, we worked all over the world, but we worked spacecraft to the planet. <laughs> Sounds weird. Mm-hmm. Yes, it but, is strange to hear you talking about this when most people can't even relate to what you're saying. I know it's embarrassing. Well, because they weren't ready to hear, and if you're not ready to hear, they say don't cast pearls before swine. It's all folk, it's folklore. It's folk life to me, but it's also history to some. Others, it's just fairy tales. I don't care how people think because. I'm not here to save the world. I was just here to save my husband. <laughs> uh huh. But uh, okay. I did I did my job like you did for Bonnie. So in that way, we're sort of equal, you know. But uh, I mm -hmm. thought I thought I was after him for the extraterrestrials. And then I think those men I was telling you about uh, that got me in Oklahoma and the old the old people we'll call them. I don't know the extraterrestrials. I think they were in on putting me with Tom so Tom could uh, die because uh, when I went back through there, they wanted me to be a truck driver, and I, they sent me to Fort Hood, three corps, and uh, I had to sign a whole bunch of Navy intelligence papers, and I'd just gotten out. I just left Hawaii, so why are they putting me back in again? They kept putting me back in the government and making me sign more contracts. They even made me sign up my name on a blank piece of paper. These extraterrestrials, I don't know what they did with it. But anyway, I had the cover of being in the government, but I was really an extraterrestrial hybrid. But now J. Allen Hynek had a suspicion. <laughs> uh -huh. he let so you me met J. Allen Hynek? 
Yeah. <laughs> and Stan Friedman and uh I met Jesse Marcel. <laughs> oh I wow. Never met, yeah. Oh wait, I didn't meet Stan, but Stan and I talked all the phone. I think I've met him, but he doesn't know it because I went out to Roswell and they kept me secret. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, I met that guy with the funny hair they called Bill in a uh airplane hangar. Do you know who Bill is? No, I'm not familiar. Ken Johnston brought his book to me, and Janet met him. He was in a wheelchair. Or his wife was in a wheelchair. But he worked with uh, Michael Sala, Dr. Sala. Yeah. And, right. I, and he had the funniest hair, and uh, they wanted me to meet him, so I did. But he was in with NASA for years and years. And Ken Johnston was a Marine over here where I'm at in Pensacola, but he got all confused. Some guy that was uh, came along later in the program in the ETFO, he wasn't in the paranormal program, but he started trying to be an official kind of guy for NASA and got real well known. And he put Ken down really bad, even though Ken was a little goofy. But the ETs can make you seem like a really goofy sort, especially in India. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I could appreciate that. James something, James Oberg. Here we go. Have you ever heard yeah, of James Oberg? Oberg? Right. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I don't know anything about him, but he seems to be a very nice man. He emailed me and YouTubed me. By the time he could come on the show sometime if he wanted to, Jim Oberg's pioneering space. I haven't had him on yet. But he he, uh, he and, he and uh, Ken were partners or something at one of those uh, promoting UFO things. I think at Roswell, but they got in a controversy because they both worked at NASA. I, I need to do a story on both of them and find out what, what is y'all's deal. So I think James came along late at the end of the uh, Russian Space Partnership or something, or something. But I've seen Jim, a big man, like six six or so, and that's what Ken told me. But there's a lot of people I know, so maybe we'll cross paths. Now, uh, Jim Mars' presentation had Jim Oberg and the 14th, but I don't think Jim knows anything about me, plus I don't think the ETs would let him. You know, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it only certain people get to know certain things when you work in the government or even with people like you with Bigelow? Yes, I, I, uh, that's basically part of their compartmentalization and to prevent uh, too much information from leaking out or – uh, Cross pollinating, yeah, I would say. Well, so. they let they trained me in all the clearance levels and uh, put me in charge when they put the commanding officer, the XO, and the security officer under investigation. And I had to be in charge of all the clearances, and I felt weird, but I did it. I did my job, but I don't know if that was for putting me under pressure to see if I could handle it. Or what? But they said I work for Department DOD, Department of Navy, and then Office of Personnel Management. So I learned how to read clearances, classified, and then I worked with contracts and gave badges in security. And I learned a whole lot of things in the government. But uh, the the lowest level was working in going to – I mean the highest level, I guess, was the part they didn't tell me about that I had to find out on my own. But uh, NSA was in on it, CIA and FBI. They were all near wow. me, and I was in and out of their offices. Yeah. But apparently I had to go around and be honest and just get the facts and do my job on people. You know, probably like 
Rick Doty or Bob Lazar. Me and me and me and Stan went to heads over Bob Lazar because I I thought it was all over with back in the eighties when I was involved and Bob Lazar was, and I was going all the time doing investigations in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know? And they tried to put me on the bus and the uh, the jet, uh, Janet Airlines, and I was fighting to get away from them. I didn't want to go. I remember fighting big time in the airport. <laughs> so I didn't want to go. And so something that was back decided, in the eighties. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and this uh, I got off from uh, the government uh, Navy. And going in 89 to 94, and I was uh, – these men grabbed me, and I was telling them I don't want to go. And this black man came up, there she is, there she is, and they were uh, – it was a big fight over me, uh, different groups of men and uh, the airport. <laughs> so I, I won. They stood off once I told them they better back off, and hmm. – uh, these uh, men in white, uh, they were Jesuits or something. They came up and saved me and told them, uh, if she didn't want to go, you better do something. And so they let me go. But there was different groups of men. But a black man was the one that was pointing me out and getting me in all kind of big – it was a big commotion. What is that Lagarin uh, in Las Vegas? But anyway, somebody's bound to remember because it was a big scuffle. (laughs) But that's the only time I ever had trouble with Area 51 and Janet Airlines and the buses. And uh, Well, up there in Pahrump, I think it was when I was talking to Art Bell and stuff, and they wanted me to come up there. My husband brought me. But the men were real pale looking and strange. They looked like extraterrestrials. And uh it was a really crazy group and Art Bell didn't even show up. So uh sort of a men in black did and people on the buses and stuff. It was a Area fifty one meeting. They were sort of chalky. My husband and I were, were not impressed. It was women and men and it was like something out of a a movie with uh Stephen King. <laughs> It was like mm-hmm. a movie. But anyway, I shouldn't tell you all this stuff till I can piece it together because I'm just trying to pull it all together. It doesn't make sense to me. But for some reason, when you said what you did about the oil and, the, and them looking like us, that makes sense to me. I'll have to get that story put together for you and pull it together. I was going to give it to Bob Brown for the first time. But Bob couldn't make it happen because they'd already chosen 30, and I came in too late. Janet's the one that told me about that conference you're in, and she wanted mm-hmm. me to go and tell my story. And then she didn't get invited, and I couldn't put all the pieces together yet. It wasn't time. So I scared Bob. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't. I told him the truth, but you know, my truth was maybe I know you're in a past life or because I don't think he was in the military, was he? So he doesn't know what I know, right? He wasn't military. Right. But now John Lear has uh, talked to me with ESP. Oh, Bruce came on. Let me see how do you get him on. Bruce, I can't get you on. Wait, this is the other I'm, Bruce. Can Bruce. you hear me? Yeah, but uh, the other Bruce can't get on. 
uh, he's calling me. Bruce, you can hold on. Let me talk to him. Bruce. Oh wait, I gotta use Skype. Hold on. That's uh, I don't know how to tell him. You gotta call in. Well, it's over with now. He's calling in too late. Let me psychically, he's not very in tune either. So hold on, he's in another country. Bruce, you'll have. Well, I'm trying to talk it. Let's see, Bruce. Meet. I'm gonna have you meet Bruce later. But uh, Bruce is uh, emotionally has issues. So I don't know how y'all get along. Now, some people love him. Oh, you may know Bruce McDonald. He's a friend of your friend Tommy's that was in the government and did work for AT&T. You know Bruce McDonald? No. In Peru? Or Puerto no. Rico? No. Don't know. don't know anybody that, from those countries. No. Okay, well, let me tell him. I'll get him on the show. When are we going to do another show? I will bring you on uh, Saturday, maybe. Saturday. Well, we uh, did have one scheduled for the 4th of January, right? Yeah, but you don't want to do any until then, right? Or you weren't going to do tonight, right. but you did. The universe called you. But you wouldn't have right. found out this information, and I wouldn't have. So they let us know things in pieces. That's one thing I've always learned. When it's time, you learn. So it's something to do with this Bruce McDonald right now. How are you, Bruce, I can see you, but I don't know how to bring you on. I think he's on another channel, so uh, I've got to learn the board how to blend all these various channels. Uh, you know, different, well, it's eight uh, o'clock already here my time, so the show's okay, over. Well, yeah, the show's over. So, uh, Bruce, I really appreciate Dr. Bruce. Uh, you and I need to work together, I think, a little bit, and and I'll share what. I, but it just depends on when you bring something up. I'm not sure how it works yet, but. Uh, I know it's time. Let me see who this is. There it goes. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yep. Time to go. Okay. All right. Well, it was nice, Bruce, and I believe we have something in, to do together. And uh, look for that ACR radio and sign on, okay? Okay. And Bruce is trying to call, but I'll explain to him. I think he's in another country, and we've got the time messed up. All right. So thank, Very good. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll do one. Uh, now, you want to do one Saturday? Oh, uh, that other guy that represents Texas, he's been with me for about 10 or 12 years since 2007. So 12 years. Uh, he represents UFO Digest in Canada, New York with Robert Morningstar. Can you work with him on a Saturday? Is it okay to bring him on? on? He's not into UFOs that much, but he does done UFO shows. Well, I wanted runs... to bring in M- Melinda uh-huh. Romanoff. I-, I told you about her. Uh, Robert Morningstar had her on his show, Revolution Radio, um, Freedom Slip, and she was dynamite. And uh, uh, you will really like uh, like her because she gets right into all of the, the government uh, secret programs that uh, they have involved her and all the implants that they and electronics they put in her body and things of this nature. Okay. So, um, and I, I was uh, I've asked her whether or not she would like to be on on the show with us on the fourth of January, and she said right, yes, well, right, she would love to be. Well, I have sent. Uh, thank you. Sent me an email, but it was she just said she'd love to. You just copied to me, but will you ask her to send her photo and bio, please? Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Okay. okay. And you can just tell her to send it to my agency address. And uh, I'll 
get with this other person. He's trying to record now. I'll have to go record him somewhere else. Thank you so much, okay? And I will... I'm going to email you. I need... Since you have so many different addresses and so many different uh, names of, of companies and organizations, I'm going to have to ask you to spell out which one you want me to send it to, okay? Like, uh, well, you know, what it is is for 2020, I'm combining everything under one. I have 35 websites that I'm taking down. Uh, I've, I've got them still. You just can't see them. They're still in my, you know, I've had. GoDaddy. On your hard drive. Right, or on your no, server, but not no, open. No, in GoDaddy, in GoDaddy. I don't keep anything okay. on, my, on, my, on my computer. But uh, you can email me. I've got all these business accounts, but just send it to TJ Marsh Agency, A-G-N-C-Y at com. That way I'm just an agent of service for all these companies that like to promote market their all right. event. I, I will do that. I'll have her send that information to you, so we'll get the setup, all right? All right. Oh, okay. okay. You take care. Thank All you. right, TJ. Okay, I got to do all another right. show. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye.